What's up, everybody, and welcome to the show. Uh, on this week's podcast, we're talking about a touchy subject. It's suicide. Uh, we're bringing back a returning guest. You'll remember him from the last two podcasts, um, talking about the Air Force Honor Guard and that guy's stories. So, everybody, welcome back, Matt Williams. All right. You ready to start? Sure, let's do it. All right. Welcome, everybody, to the Tell Me Something podcast. I'm your host, Cruz Villanueva. And then we have the other host, Holly Villanueva. Hi. What's up, babe? good Villanueva. <laughs> yeah, I'm just, I'm garbage. And then we have a returning guest. Third time. Third. You are first third time returning. Quickly becoming an extra host, man. That just... <laughs> That just might be your role from now on. I Anyways, it's that. Matt Williams. Hello. Uh, if you've listened to the last two podcasts and you're, you're familiar with this freak. Yeah. <laughs> How you doing, man? I'm okay. All right. <laughs> yeah. I like talking, man. You do like talking. Yeah, I have good things to say sometimes. Depends who you're talking to. <laughs> that's debatable. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. Yeah. That's fair. Yeah. No. Uh, I've definitely enjoyed... The things you've talked about in the past two podcasts. When we talk at work, it's different. I'm just like, shut the fuck up. <laughs> <laughs> well, now I don't I'm, sit by you anymore. I, I'm so. kidding. I'm kidding. Dude, yeah. Now I have somebody else. and Not a bad guy, but I miss our banter. <laughs> Witty repartee. Yeah. I don't even know what that means. <laughs> big words. Big Google words. it. Yeah. Google it. It's okay. Please define it for me. All right. So anyway, we're here we today. Are. Enjoying this wonderful evening. <laughs> okay, so uh, what's our topic, man? Today's Let everybody topic know is suicide. Oh shit! And this is normally a downer, but I very famously don't have any emotions, so uh, I'll try to keep it less. It's, it's going to be depressing either way you talk about it. But yeah, man. It's and be I have a lot of feelings. Depressing. Yeah. So. Well, good. You can cry over there in silence, and we'll talk about. You I know, will not stuff. cry in silence. I will let it all out. <laughs> So the reason I want to talk about it is because, one, it's politically incorrect to talk about it, and nobody ever talks about it, which means it doesn't get – nobody gets their uh, their feelings out. Nobody gets their experiences out. Nobody gets to share what, stuff that might actually help. What do you mean it's politically incorrect to talk about it? Well, nobody ever talks about it. It's like a taboo subject um, that nobody brings up, nobody talks about. Every time you try to say anything about it, it kind of gets like – hey, we don't want to talk about that right now. It's depressing or, you know, this is not the right opportunity or whatever to the point where it ends up never getting addressed. And Except at, like, commander's calls. Except the commander's calls, which is always, yeah. like, the commander telling you, hey, don't kill yourself uh, yeah. at the end. And I'm sure day. the same thing happens on the civilian side. But yeah. I think there's an attempt to address it. And in my opinion, a lot of the times it goes – it doesn't go well. Right. Like the attempt is there, but nothing ever happens. <clears throat> because it's um, seen as fake and insincere yeah. most of the time. And before we go any further, I have to do my disclaimer that these are my personal views and not the views of the United States Air Force. Yeah. In that case, goes for me too. In case uh, yeah, same here. And, anybody uh, gets grumpy. Yeah, and this is like we give examples yeah. of the Air Force because that's what we know. But, I mean, I've talked to other people and kind of the same thing it's happens. Thing too. Yeah. yeah. But, I mean, so I'll start it out with. 
the story, and I know we're going to get into all that stuff that you have on your list, but it does get brought up sometimes like, hey, we need to have the conversation, this topic or whatever. But as an instructor with a bunch of students, when they're like, go in there and talk to them about your personal experiences, I think that's missing the mark. Like, I'm not going to go tell students personal stuff about my life uh, and experiences that I've had because they are personal. And I don't think that's something that I should be sharing with students that I have no connection with. It's also about context, though, also, because if you just go in there and be like, hey, let me tell you a story. <laughs> yeah, um, that's that's well, not a good if, way to start even out. Even if the topic is suicide, okay, um, it's it's all about you have to – you basically have to get the audience's consent to talk about yeah. such a subject. So it's a good thing you I, you label what your podcasts are about because then uh, people will know whether they want to listen to it or not. Yeah. The – the first time in our whole career, last year, I think it was last year, when they declared that, um, what was it, tactical pause training down day was the first time the Air Force took more than three seconds to discuss suicide. And most of it was done poorly, but some of it that we did at least was, was good. What did you guys do on your flight? Were you here yet? Yeah, I was, yeah. I was here when it happened. So... Um, so the Air Force is having like a big problem with suicide and the military yeah. in general. And has been the and whole time I've yeah, been in, yeah. Has been, yeah, since I've been in since 05, I yeah, think, before, yeah. same thing. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's always been a really big issue, especially with uh, the wars that have been going on since mm-hmm. then. Um, but tactical pause, so can you tell us real quick yeah, what so the tactical the, pause is and Air what it's Force meant for? leadership, the chief of staff, the four-star, and then the chief master of the Air Force declared that we need to do something about it to at least address the topic. So there will be no work. Um, one, your wing gets to decide what day they're going to do it, but you will you will do a basically a down day where no work happens and everybody just either A, talks about it, or B, does nothing and like take a break from work. Yeah, so everybody still shows day. up to work or right. a designated meeting area so all your coworkers are in the same spot. And right. yeah, you're either talking about it and sharing stories <clears throat> or you're doing something that's going to help you work through right. this whole suicide uh problem that we're having. Right. And I so I had to cut you off before you got to answer your question, but what you guys what did you guys do? No, so I just I don't know. I guess I have differing opinions on the tactical pause. I think it's used inappropriately as far as what I've seen. It's more like a, hey, take the day off, and then people just go out and, like, waste the day. Or it's, let's have a potluck and hang out. But like you said, it's a taboo topic, so nobody wants to talk about it. Nobody wants to be the first one to bring it up. Yeah, Yeah. and then you're in an awkward setting where it's, I don't know, uh, this topic is a little hard for me, so. What we did was both. So we had classrooms available where people were talking about it and then classrooms available where they were not talking about it. And you as an adult person get to choose if you wanted to spend the day talking about it or if you didn't. Um, And I did, and I made sure my boss knew that whatever I said was going to be completely unfiltered and (laughs) real, just like we're about to get into. Well, I think for um, something like this, that's the way – it, it all should be right, and we did it in civilian clothes, which yeah. was great. Um, even though I know all my students are officers and higher ranking than me, but yeah. um, but it's still it it's kind of to uh, it puts you on the same level. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's what I was looking for. Yeah, <laughs> but it was good. So um, 
So can I talk about what I talked about then, or do you want to? Were you going to talk about something else? No, you about yeah. Okay. No, no. Go so, for it. Take it where you want to so take it. So I, I did. Um, I led a, a talk, which I again at the beginning disclaimed like uh, we're going to get into it and we're going to talk about it and it's not going to be pleasant. But the goal is not to, you know, make you feel bad or hurt your feelings or any of that stuff. It's to present you with stuff you might not have already known. And this was during the tactical pause. Yeah. Oh, and so what I talked about was. The prevalence of PTSD among Intel professionals. And one, for the students as Intel professionals, but also two, as, as leaders of Intel professionals. And the, the problem is, you know, lots of people are like, well, I don't experience any kind of down feelings whenever I experience these kind of things like extreme violence or dealing with the fact that our job is to kill people and blow stuff up, you know which the Air Force crams into your head in basic training. It's like, yeah, kill people and blow yeah. up their shit, right? You may um, not be doing it directly, but you definitely right. have a hand in it. Right. And you so, play a part. Yeah. And so the good thing about the military today versus in Vietnam, like all the Vietnam vets came back from Vietnam with PTSD and nobody knew what that was, so they just – shunned them and half of them killed themselves and they're yeah, just like shit it on. yeah so the good news is since we started fighting after september 11th and the the society in america has at least been uh open to the fact that hey you've experienced some shit and maybe we should take care of you and do something about it um which is a lot of progress at a minimum like going out of their way to tell you they appreciate what you've done versus um we hate you because you fought this war that we don't agree with. Yeah. Um, so that's been really great. But then, you know, so for Intel people, we don't, you know, 99 and a half percent of us don't participate in any, any real combat, but we uh, support it uh, every day. And so if, if your job is basically to watch people get killed on the screen every day, um, 10 years ago, they didn't count that as real, trauma and real PT you can't get PTSD from watching TV right yeah. that's you're not even in the battle so what's the what's the deal so now thankfully uh, and it's been fairly recently where they started like hey maybe people are getting affected by this stuff and maybe we should at a minimum pretend to reach out and give a crap about them and we have the chaplains that are embedded in the units now and you guys were at Creech so mm -hmm. how long ago were you there I was there from 08 until 12. Mm -hmm. Okay, right. So probably not when you were there. Now, after that, they probably started. The chaplains? Yeah. Yeah, we didn't even have a chaplain on Creech. Yeah, no. So but they've, been, they've been building that up. While the we were there, years. people were already getting out because they were right. claiming PTSD from sitting on those lines and watching right. the, the live feeds of everything that's happening, which included right. people getting blown up. And and now, and it like it's just been since you guys have been gone that they've been putting chaplains in there, having people stop and like take a chill out period um, because that stuff does affect you. Your job is to watch basically. Um, and the, um, the TV show, Jack Ryan does a really good job. Have you guys watched that? Yeah. So did you guys see the predator dude like monitoring and getting all pissed off and yeah. Yeah. I think, I don't know. That, that, took, it to, that took it to an extreme. And then right. there's a lot of stuff on there that that won't happen in right. in real life, but but that's the most realistic I've seen a TV show or a movie portray that. Yeah, situation. just like yeah, yeah. 
because it is hard. And one, like his co-pilot didn't get, didn't give a shit that she was blowing up regular people. And he took it really hard. And that's exactly what happens. It's like, well, I don't have empathy, so I don't care when people are getting blown up, but there are people that are extra sensitive to that. And, Uh, just because it doesn't affect you doesn't mean it doesn't affect them. Yeah, it affects everybody differently. Yeah, and so I was trying to get through to the students, like, one, take care of yourself because if it's affecting you and you'll be able to tell if it's affecting you, uh, you need to do something about it before yeah. it gets too bad. To, like, you can't do any – you can't live. Um, you know, that guy, that guy went to Syria to apologize to his – people he killed yeah, which 0% is probably would ever probably happen. not yeah. ever going to happen uh there's probably some flags that he probably get stopped at some airport but yeah but anyway that like that he just felt so bad he like he got he took all his money and got wasted and yeah he was making a lot of bad decisions yeah. which ultimately led up to him going to syria <laughs> right and you know um those kind of things are very frequent they have them there they have the you know the dgss run a similar kind of life uh, I remember my dad telling me about them when um, when they first started coming out. It was like 99, 2000. And he was like, yeah, there's these buildings that basically like when you go in there, you're deployed. And when you come out, you go home to your family. And yeah. I think that's worse than being deployed because when you're deployed, you could like put your brain somewhere else and like, okay, we're over here. We're doing the stuff. Yeah. The end, my family will be there when I get back versus every night. And I think there's a movie out that's uh, – I think Ethan Hawke is like a Reaper driver. Yeah, it came out a while ago. Yeah, did you watch that? Yeah. Was it any good? Uh, I don't remember it being good, but it kind of tells that story. Of, right. Of like it's hard to to go from basically killing people uh, right. to going to regular home life. Right. And there's no, there's no real transition period, right? So right. there's no – The transition is the drive back home. Yes. Right? Yeah. And that's not generally long enough to uh, – Yeah. Because he's doing what people would be doing deployed. Right. And all you have to worry about is doing your job while you're deployed. And you can, after that, you go work out, you sleep, right. what, eat, whatever, and then go back to doing your job. Here, you have to do that shit and then go be a good father, good husband, or whatever it is, good wife. Like, you have to go back to regular life. Hey, I got to worry about groceries. I got to pay these bills. That Not think about all the, all the stuff shit. you just did while you're there. Yeah. yeah. But I think where that breakdown is, is not everything. And I think this is like a huge fail on just communication in general, but not every flight has a shot, right? So sometimes like when you're flying, you're literally just sitting there like watching a house for 23 hours. Yeah. So you're talking shift turnover, three different people. You come back tomorrow, they're still watching the same house. The plane has launched and landed and it's back in the same location. And so that's where that breakdown happens on is it PTSD or not? Because I was there for two and a half years before I ever took like my first shot, like was part of the crew that took a shot. And I thought the same thing, like, what do you like? This isn't even real. But once you actually are a part of it and you're like, oh, man, that guy's dead and I played a part in that. It does. It hits home a little bit. It's a little bit different than if you've never been a part of it and you just like third party right. acknowledge it. So it's different from watching it like at we were at the chaos and just watching stuff on video like we weren't actually contributing to that. We were just like, yay, stuff blowing up. Yeah. Which gets old really fast. Um, but also like I've had a couple instructors since I've been here like um, have um, civilian casualties on accident 
which happens way too frequently. Yes. And, like, that messed them up more than just, like, the regular stuff. Um, yeah, so when I was pregnant the first time with my oldest daughter, um, I was on, like, this half-day situation at the end of my pregnancy. So I had to be, like, eight and a half, nine, like, right at about to give birth. And we had a an aircraft that accidentally shot a school. And it was a troops in contact situation where our forces were getting <clears throat> shot at. And uh, they were in close proximity to a school. But the, for lack of better terms, like the communication was bad. And where they dropped the missile at, like, killed civilian casualties. Um, and I got called in and I had to listen to... 23 hours of 23 hours of um, communications and pretty much transcribe it all. So like from the pilot who launched the aircraft and then handed it over to the next pilot who was actually flying the mission to the JTAC coming online and like given the go ahead, the intel that was providing information, everything. So to transcribe 23 hours of information including like an entire like shot being taken uh it probably took me like a week a week and a half to transcribe that and that's just eight hours a day sitting at a desk just transcribing information um and that was hard for me and I wasn't even a part of it but just to listen to like all the communications going back and forth um it was pretty crazy yeah but I mean that's how like even though I had no direct contribution to it like just being in any way a part of the support to it was a little bit difficult. And that's that's what I was trying to like teach the students is that one, I I've met dozens and dozens of students under the age of twenty two when they join the military who have no idea what they're getting themselves into. Yes. And <laughs> I don't know how that's possible because my whole life, one, my dad was in the military, but two, like I watch movies, I watch TV. Like, you know, the military exists to kill people. Like that's no, because you job. know what happens. Bad guys. The, no, they're, they're joining the air <laughs> right. force. So we experienced experience this in the air force. They right. joined the air force. So everything they hear, well, the air force is easy. It's cage. Right. You're not going to do nothing. And you could do your four years and you'll get out and have and a good most job. Most of us don't even like smell combat we're miles and miles even when i was in kandahar supporting direct combat operations i was on base safe i was supporting the pilots who were supporting the ground troops like i was still three layers away from combat and that's in afghanistan so like yes the air force is further away from combat and yes um most of us will never even like finance i always hate on the medical people, but medical people don't work in the military. They're in their own little universe. That's not the, like they're in this, this place where people get made fun of for being in the air force. And like they, unless you're like a combat medic or something, which we don't really even do. Um, they're in their own little universe and those kind of, they call us shoe clerks, right? All the operators do finance guys, MPF guys, the guys way back in the base, like counting the shoes. Um, but I would argue because when I was at Bagram, we had stuff happen. So Bagram's in Afghanistan for you that, those of you that don't know. But when I was there, like just a common like A1C medic was at the hospital. And when somebody got blown up and brought on base, this little like 19-year-old who barely knows how to like 
get dressed in the morning right. is having to treat these combat wounds. Like this guy just got blew up by an IED. What do you do? Right. And so maybe like back home, they don't do anything, but I would argue that when they're deployed, they're very much a critical piece to the moving pieces. Yeah. It's a, I, I think for being deployed in, in I would say any AFSC, it's going to be 50, 50, whether it's going to be uh, crazy deployed? shit like that, or right. you're just going to be stuck back at, at main base and right. handling like day to day stuff. It depends on where you go too. Yeah. yeah. So my first unit, uh, and this was in 05, so everybody was deploying left and right. Um, we had quite a few people that they saw combat on a daily basis. And uh, when I finally deployed in 09, I was rolling with the Army, and I was on a convoy every single day. Luckily enough, um, never saw any combat, uh, even though, like, during those days, that's all I wanted. But... uh my first convoy out, man, I was scared shitless. Uh, you kind of, you get that feeling like, is this where I get blown up? Shit, this is where we get ambushed. Oh, shit, this is where I'm going to die. But uh, you get used to it, right? But, yeah, you just never know. Like, I was some little intel nerd, and then all of a sudden I'm manning the fucking gun on uh, on top right. of Humvees, a 50 cal, rolling and, out. And General Mosley, like, 10 years ago, 12 years ago, tried to, instill in the air force a combat oriented mindset but it failed miserably because most of us like even okay and that's why i was trying to get to the students is like hey you will support this stuff you will be involved in combat this is the air force this is the military your job is to kill people so like you need to accept that and then going forward if you weren't accepting that and you were at a hospital and like holy shit i gotta put together this blown up dude like you lose your shit but like you got to swallow that early. Hey, you're going to go to this unit, and all they do is use reapers and blow people up. Yeah. You need to be prepared that that's what they're going to be doing. You know. Yeah. And Instead, it's good that you're doing something like that. And I think more instructors and people along the way till they get operational, till students get operational, that they're trying to prepare them for that kind of mindset because the past you 10, 15 years, we've just kind of been learning as we go, yeah. right? So since RPAs are taking over, like when we talk about medics, right? Like they put people back together from an IED. You're never going to do that home station, like ever. That's only going to be downrange, right? So when you talk about the RPAs, it's like, let's say you shoot a missile and you blow up this guy on a motorcycle. On the screen, it's literally like a leg over there. You see him like crawling in a blood trail. And you strike him again. That's going graphic. It's going to affect you. And if you say like, if anyone says by no means I have no effect from this, like I wouldn't believe it. Even like, even you, you say you have no empathy. I think it would still bother you a little bit just because we're human and that's another human being, you know? So you start questioning like, what should I really have been like a part of that? Or there are degrees and you get in your head. (laughs) So, uh, Regular strikes like that, I was not affected by. But I will tell you the story of the the worst thing I've ever seen, um, which was the Jordanian pilot um, that happened in the beginning of end of 2014 into 20 into 2015. So the official report that came out on Fox News um, as I was in the chaos and not allowed to talk about said subject. The um, the a group of the 
coalition, all the Arab coalition, so the Jordanians, the Kuwaitis, the Emiratis, the Qataris, the Jordanians, I think I said that. Um, they all flew like this massive like airstrike operation, mm-hmm. and a Jordanian pilot got shot down. And everybody's like, what the hell? And I won't get into what happened because it's politically sensitive, but the uh, long story short, he landed like in a nest of ISIS guys. And so he immediately got captured and held hostage and moved around, and we tried to rescue him several times. It failed because, um, you know, Syria is big, and there were plenty of places to hide him. Anyway, fast forward a couple of months, and I'm at the Kayak, and I'm the only one who has YouTube because I'm stationed at Shaw, and I have a YouTube account because I have a regular AFSEN account instead of the deployed accounts. So I can watch YouTube. And on the um, they the ISIS killed him and put their video on YouTube. And because I was the only one who had YouTube for the, you know, two hours, it was on YouTube before they took it down. I had to show it to everybody in my chain of command over and over again. And what they did was they set him on fire in slow motion because they have really, really good videographers and really high definition. They set him on fire after a giant propaganda video of like, this is to prove that this is the guy they, you know, and, uh, set him on fire and I had to watch him burn alive for like five minutes for over and over again for about an hour. And that was the worst thing I've ever had to watch. And that uh, did affect me. And it did, I did need to leave and go like look at the sun and watch cartoons or something. So I didn't have nightmares, but um, that's what I told the students. I was like, I'm going to tell you the story because this is a taste. It's probably not the worst thing you're going to see, but it's just some fucked up stuff. And, uh, that, I mean, I've seen TV shows where people get lit on fire all the time and it's like, well, oh, it's TV, you know, whatever. But this was same HD content yeah. and this was a real human actually getting lit on fire, um, and actually burning to death. And you knew him like, well, you didn't know him, but you knew like yes. who he was. His I know name, this is a real like, person. This yeah. is well, actually well, the happening. The thing in real life. is, and this is what happened to me. So like before I joined the military, you know, those videos that get put out by, Okay, or whoever, mm-hmm. and it's those torture videos. I saw a couple of them. No effect, really. The students go looking for that stuff when they. When, when I they... joined the military, about a year or so later, I saw one again, mm-hmm. and I'll never watch one again uh, after I saw it uh, because I connected with it. Like, first of all, it's happening to a human being, right? Like, this is real life. This actually happened. Second part of that is like that could be me. I'm in the military now. We go to all <laughs> over right. the world. Wherever it is they want to send us, that's where we go. And basically we're targets. And we're definitely targets. Propaganda targets. And so, yeah, yeah, I think uh, the way Intel, I don't know. So I'll tell another story about when I was deployed. Um, my major, so if you're listening to this, I'm talking about you, <laughs> um, went gallivanting around with some people to go have pizza down in Kabul. And I was, like, holding down the J2 con for the entire, like, special ops in Afghanistan. So you're talking about like the 160 Assor, all of AFSOC, um, some army rangers, like the whole shebang, like right there together. And we had to take a C-130 slit into a hostile airfield and land it to like resupply some guys. And my commander came in and he's like, Holly, you have 60 minutes to get me the full work up on this airfield. We're going to provide support to these guys, but like, they're going in and landing, and you're the one making the decision. 
So I was full stressed out. So I had to do all this data, like pull all this stuff. And I'm like, hey, I think we can do it. We have like a 20 minute time window to do it. And I will tell you, I have never been so stressed out in my whole life as those 20 minutes when they were going in. Because if something happened to them, like I would have put that on myself forever, you know, like even if they could have seen something happening or they took the risk because they're the air crew, uh, I never would have been able to forgive myself for that. And I think that's what happens sometimes. Like if a helicopter goes out and Mm -hmm. the intel was bad and the helicopter gets shot down, like that intel person, even though they're in no way directly, like directly on the mission, they're just supporting it, but they carry that. And I think that ties it back into like why we have so many intel related suicides because like just, just that one 20 minute window. Yeah. Like I don't, I don't ever cry. And I was like a mess in my office. I was like, just hurry up, take off. Like I'm watching the, the feed and it was like pitch black outside and Oh uh, yeah, just like thinking about it now, I'm getting stressed out again, and it's over. <laughs> yeah, because that's right. a lot of pressure and responsibility, and uh, in a deployed location, like yeah. the game's real, right? It's life or death yeah, in yes. that instance. And, and there's some places stateside where it's like that, but for the most part, when you're deployed, the everybody's life is on the line for sure. Yeah, <laughs> a lot more like, stressed out. Whew. Yeah, so the stress it can build up, and uh, so that feeling that you got when you were deployed, that happens with some of like uh, Reaper crews or, or mm-hmm. Pred crews. Yeah. And then after that 8, 10, 12 hours, whatever length it was, you got to go Just home go and home. have dinner. Yeah, <laughs> Talk to your wife. Yeah. Like, hey, how was your day? Well, fuck, let me tell you. No, well, you, you, can. you can't. You can't. You can't do that. <laughs> can't tell you. All I can tell you is I'm really stressed out and yeah. I might kill something. Like okay. me and Holly were lucky because – we got talk to each other. Yeah, we could talk to each other. Uh, obviously, we didn't talk any classified at home, but I'm sure you did. Uh, yeah, <laughs> sure yeah. you didn't. You know, <laughs> as crazy as it seems, like we just turned work off when we worked there. Like when we left, we just turned it off. Like we really didn't talk about it at home, unless we were like just bitching about people, but yeah. like about work itself. Yeah. Well, we got the chance that we could do it at work. That's yeah. like the difference. Right. Um, okay. But. So to tie this back to yeah, yeah. suicide. <laughs> yeah. This is all leading somewhere. This is all we leading promise. somewhere, yes. Yeah. So um, the Air Force is moving very slow, and I have I have a note here, the failure of the Air Force to do it right is what the note I wrote. So uh, I've been in for almost 16 years. Uh, September 11th happened almost 19 years ago, and the Air Force is just now getting to the the point of – maybe there's more that we can do to prevent suicide because for most of the years that I've been in just like the uh the uh green dot training and the failure of that oh, like the two things that the air force teaches you don't kill yourself and don't rape people right and it's like okay thanks like I wasn't going to do that anyway like, yeah. but they spend so much time on you know 20 years ago information of like okay if you if somebody is exhibiting these things that means they're about to commit suicide so my wife always jokes that they're telling you the cheat sheet of like okay don't do that and you could like kill yourself and nobody would know um they're giving you the answers to the to the yeah. thing uh because and that she i know she was being sarcastic but the that's what happens is people just know that if they don't act a certain way or if they don't behave a certain way, then nobody will see that they are um, up trying thinking about committing suicide. And the most important thing 
than I think to tell people and that the Air Force has never told me until last year when Chief Wright came to visit. Um, sometimes there's nothing you could do. Sometimes there's nothing you could have done. And that statement is probably going to piss a lot of people off. Yes. But I, I agree with and, you. you and that? telling people you could have done something makes what they're experiencing worse yeah. because you're telling people who just lost a friend or a family member or something, this is your fault. <laughs> you could have done something. Now, I agree, I agree that there is a scale of like somebody who's just stressed out, then somebody who's depressed, and then way over here is somebody who's like actively contemplating ways to kill themselves. Yeah. And way back here in the just plain stressed out and depressed zone, there is more you could have done. And to prove a point, I'm going to tell you a story. Uh, it's about James Vincent Forrestal, who is the first Secretary of Defense. And the uh, the honor has the honor and distinction of being the highest-ranking government official to kill himself in, in, in office. And so, one, if you can't protect the Secretary of Defense from killing themselves, there is nothing you could have done. And that's the point of this story is that uh, the pressure and burden he went from being the Secretary of the Navy, the last Secretary of the Navy that was a cabinet-level position, to being the first Secretary of Defense. And uh, that was probably a little stressful. Yeah. Uh, he got into arguments with the President of the United States, which before this year was not a thing that happened on a regular basis, <laughs> um, to the point where uh, he was having psychological problems and depression and uh, was about to get fired when he tried to kill himself. And uh, he did not succeed. And so they they put him in Bethesda Hospital, which is still there. It's a really nice hospital right outside D.C., outside Georgetown. And um, we're treating him. And, again, this is the Secretary of Defense surrounded by people who are, like, required to give a shit about his well-being. And as soon as they declared him good to go, he jumped out of the 16-story window and killed himself. Shit. So, like... There is a point psychologically when people will do whatever it takes to end their their life. And at that point, you cannot have done anything to keep them out of that. No matter how how much you tell them they care, you care, no matter how much um, you know, love and kisses and stuff, yeah. short of what the Air Force never does, which is 24-hour suicide watch for the rest of that person's life, uh which you cannot do. There's no way at that point to stop them from doing that. Yeah. And yeah, once the decision is made for some people, like that's it. They're, yes. they're going to figure it out. It is very hard to get them down from that ledge. Yeah. And to those people who have been successful in doing that, I applaud you. But that is not what the Air Force should be teaching you. They should not be teaching you that. There's always something you could have done. You could have saved them. Like, but. The Air Force, where the Air Force fails people is way over here in the I'm just stressed out and depressed zone. Even to the point where one of the suicide training videos that we watched didn't even say the word suicide or indicate that the person in the video was suicide. He was just stressed out. He got a new job, got a new workplace. His wife was a raging bitch. Um, his work, <laughs> his coworkers were assholes. Like he, Is this the one where she spends all the money? She spends all the money yeah. on the couches and the whatnots and the whatever. And he starts drinking and then the video's over. And then I was like, man, I'm that stressed out right now. Like this has nothing <laughs> to do with suicide. Like, is this what you're telling me that all people who are stressed out kill themselves? Like, no, that's not what you should be telling people. And that's, I'm glad they only watched that video like that one time. But like, 
that's not what the Air Force should be telling you. Like, hey, if you're this stressed out, you could kill yourself next week. Like, well, wow, I never thought about that before, but now that's all I think about. Thanks a lot, Air Force. Yeah. Um, and that's a really <laughs> not the good way to do that. And when Chief Wright came, he made me so happy. And I talked about this probably in both of my other podcasts, but because he, and we talked about this last week, I think, or the week before, but he told everyone that way back here, if they're sad or like look like they're down and you ask them how they're doing and they say, fine. And you, okay. And walk away. Like that is you, you failed that person right there. Um, and they might not always have been thinking about killing themselves, but you don't know because you didn't take the time to ask them how they're doing. And I had been saying that for years. Like you are a bad leader because every time you walk by the hallway, like, Hey, how you doing? I'm fine. Okay. Bye. And you just <laughs> like, and these same people are like, Oh, my doors are always open. I really care. It's like, no, you don't. You pretend to care. And if you did care, you would stop and be like, Hey, how you doing? How are your kids doing? How are your whatever? You know, I have 10 fucking children. Right. And like life is hard sometimes, but nobody ever asked me like, Hey, uh, you doing all right? Cause, uh, you know, I figure you'd be stressed out with all the children. You know, <laughs> my my wife is awesome. Therefore, my life is less stressed out. But, you know, I've been on three deployments. I'm currently separated from my family because of stupid COVID stuff. Like, um, all it takes, and we talked about this, was it the first time, second time, the bar is really low. The bar is really low, all you Air Force leaders out there. All you have to do is stop and talk for five minutes and pretend you care. The chief master sergeant of the Air Force came and took selfies with people in the most, like, remotest, stupidest base on the planet that the chief master sergeant of the Air Force has never and will never visit again. He came to our base and talked to us longer than he was supposed to because he cares or as Holly indicated, he pretends to care really good. Um, so <laughs> I didn't say that. I said, if he, if he doesn't, doesn't care, care he he's really good at pretending. And you know what? If you did that, if you pretended, and I know that they're pretending most of the time, like I'm pretending to care. I barely know your name, but I'm going to talk to you anyway for five minutes. Like, All right. I saw, I saw Captain Staz stop an airman or a Lieutenant and uh, talk to him for like 10 minutes about how he was doing he had never talked to him before. Turns out he was suicidal for some reason about like back home stuff, craziness, weird stuff. But he would not have found that out if he didn't give a shit enough to stop and talk to that person because he's just that kind of person that he's still young enough that he still actually cares about people and hasn't been like <laughs> turned off by the Air Force. And that made me really happy to watch him do that because like – he actually cared. He wasn't pretending to care. He yeah. was just like, hey, I notice this person is sad looking. Maybe he's going through some shit and maybe he needs to talk. Sergeant Williams, why are you so angry all the time? Like, well, let me tell you a three-hour story that's covered over three podcasts. And then we can, <laughs> and then we can uh, uncover the truth. <laughs> yeah, but, but I think – so I will stop and actually give time if I know someone and I can tell a difference in their demeanor. Right. If I don't know someone, I will stop and pretend to care um, for a shorter duration. Right. So, for example, if I see a student walking down the hallway and their head's hung low, I'll be like, hey, is everything okay? Like, how's class going? Do you need help with anything? Who's your instructor? Blah, blah, blah. I'll just pretend, right? Like, I don't really 
particularly have an interest in this person's life unless right. something crazy comes up in the conversation. Contrary to that, maybe yesterday, the, the day before yesterday, um, I was walking from my desk to the shredder, which is all the way across the office, and I saw Scruggs, and even though I could only see her little t- tiny baby eyeballs because she had on her whole mask that covers her whole tiny face, she just looked sad, like her eyes were sad. And I was like, Sabrina, you have sad eyes. And then I sat and talked to her for like 10 minutes, and she's like, thanks, I really just need to talk to somebody. I was having a bad morning. But that's the and difference. That's the person that's always happy. I always know, right? Happy. And that's the difference in just when you know someone and you can tell a difference in their demeanor. Yes. Because I, like you, am angry 90% of the time when I'm at work. Um, but if I get to the point where I'm just shut down and I'm not talking to anyone, like if you come up to me and I'm just like, hi, like don't talk to me, and I'm not like making jokes or bantering, then people are like, oh, like what's going on? Are you okay? And I'm like, just... Pause a beat, like leave me alone for a few minutes. And that's but. a lot easier when it's people that you work with on a daily basis and you see every day and, and whatever. But when it's people like say you have, there's hundreds of students in the schoolhouse. And if you right. see a random student and you've never had them for class, you have no connection with them other than the fact that they're a student in that schoolhouse. Right. It's it's hard to tell whether they're different that day right. their demeanor is different whether uh you can kind of point out if something's wrong you won't be able to do that um, and it's really hard with the masks <laughs> yeah it's even worse right like i still smile underneath my mask but, but real life. the captain staz example though we're just putting him out there for a good reason though he, he's like, great and you are welcome to praise him for that and yeah. i i applaud him i don't think i told him but i applaud him for that that was yeah it's good shit. In real life, though, most Intel people only have like five or six people in their office, so it's a little easier to do. And it, it's really, and I don't want to talk about that for like too long, but it really doesn't take a lot. Way back here on the other side of the scale, like if you're just having a bad day, suicide has not entered into your brain because you didn't think about that. You're just in a bad mood. You just had a bad day. You saw Sabrina, you made her feel better. She didn't get way over here because somebody somewhere is going to say something to her because she is always happy for no reason. So <laughs> when you are not happy for no reason, then it's like, what's wrong with you? Yeah. But, you know. Um, and then I had my PHA today, which On the um, which for those of you <laughs> that don't know it, that it's just my annual medical checkup that is now done over the phone. And because the Air Force is busy or lazy or both, the uh, they have evolved to be over the phone when they used to be in person. Once a year, you were required to go in person, talk to a doctor, and the doctor was forced to look in your face while you answered these questions about your lifestyle. And if you lied to their face, some of them were good at figuring that out and some of them are not. Now it's on the phone where you're just like, yep, yep, everything's good. Yep, nope, not depressed, not suicidal. Everything's good, bye. And they're like, okay, bye. And that was, <laughs> that's an Air Force policy where they no longer, like, uh, nobody is checking on you. Like, that was their one opportunity to check on you that nobody is doing now. For whatever reason, I'm sure it had to do with manpower that they just didn't. We used to have, I don't know if you guys remember we or have ever done this, but at Shaw and at Bowling, there was, like, 30 people in the room. We, we had to wait in line to do our PHA and just, like, yeah. The one doctor's in there, like, going over the list with, like, 30 people. And I get it. That sucks. But, you know, that's 
a doctor who's like that's their job to like make sure you're alive and stuff so that's one of the things that the air force has lost in the giving a shit about humans department um that i think is an opportunity to catch people sometimes and they don't catch everybody because people lie but if you're suicidal you're not going to tell the doctor like yeah i've been actually like plotting the days sir uh i got this method and this method and like nobody's going to tell you that but you could tell by their demeanor you know sometimes so i will say one thing that i think afsoc got right was when we were in florida um your pha was two parts so you went into the PHA and it was like, do you drink more than one beer a year? And everybody says no, right? <laughs> and then – Do you like, eat your fruits and vegetables? Yeah, so like all the main questions. But then separate from that, there was an MHA, which was part of your PHA, and you couldn't be cleared out on that. And it was just a mental health assessment. Right. So every year during your physical health assessment, you had to have a secondary portion where you went in and talked to a mental health person. And it was pretty – it was pretty in-depth. They would ask a lot of questions and they would rank you on like this anxiety scale. And then based on where you went, they were like, do you want to schedule an appointment to talk to somewhere, someone in mental health or like, go on, we can't help you. You're way past the spectrum. Right. But yeah, so I haven't seen that anywhere else besides there. They did but I will like say, a minute today but funny story, all the girls in the office were talking today and we started talking about the gyno because we're weird and girls. They're doing gyno appointments online. How does that happen? Like, <laughs> how you could just uh, show me the video like, and like point at stuff. Uh, I was like, Ugh, this is out of control. <laughs> like, go to the damn doctor. <laughs> so. I will say a thing that the Air Force has improved uh, is allowing us to go off base for mental health because that, yeah, that's all good. Air Force doctors exist not to fix you but to get you back to work. <laughs> Whatever that will take. And that is a necessity of the military, but also a failure of the military. Because whatever it is to get you back to work, like slap a Band-Aid, take some Motrin, get the fuck out there, right? Like, that's the Air Force policy. But they let us now, and it's only been the past couple of years that they changed that, but they let you go off base for mental health counseling, which those people actually are interested in helping you, which would be a great change from... The status quo. So I'm glad that they let you do that. And there's a lot of options. And people always say, you know, there's so many resources available. Yeah, but some you can't – just because things are out there doesn't mean people are going to use them. Yeah. And yeah. that's like the biggest failure of the – and that's an American, like, generational thing. It's like, hey, everything you need is on the Internet. Go to this website and it will solve all your problems. It's like, yeah, but that's only if you go to that website. Like, if you don't – like, they could all be there. It's, oh, it's great. The internet invented all these things. But if you don't use them, it's not going to help you. And, again, most people just want to talk to somebody and have somebody pretend like they care. It's like, I just want to say things out loud and make myself feel better. I don't need your opinion. I just need to say the words. Yeah. Maybe on your friend's podcast or something. <laughs> and uh, I mean, the other thing they're, they're getting right. Um, so they're making mental health uh, so it's more available. And – it's little by little, uh, it's not being seen as, like, wrong to go to mental health. Right. It used to be like, oh, if you go there, you know, yeah. they'll take your clearance away and you'll get kicked out of the military. And Yeah, there was know. a bad stigma about going to mental health that, hey, your career's over. Right. Um, or, you know, you're weak, you're, you're a right. piece of shit if you have to go to mental health. Um, now it's and not. And now I'm, there's still some of that. Right. 
but definitely not, not as much. <laughs> yeah, right. not officially, but right. definitely not as much as there, uh, as it used to be. Right. The other thing that the Air Force uh, does well is in putting MFLAC. So I can't remember what it stands for. But Military Family Life Council. Yes. So they're putting them in each unit. Right. Or they're trying to, and I know a lot of. And ours is crazy. She's like ridiculous, but <laughs> she's fun, but she's in her own little planet. So um, I haven't to counter that. Yet, I a hundred percent don't think that should be a thing. Why is that? Um, I think it detracts people from going because she knows all your people. Yeah, she knows all everything that's going on, and people see you going in and out of the office. Right. And sometimes you don't want that. Right. But yeah. when mental health doesn't have enough counselors because they're all embedded in squadrons, <laughs> right. and you don't want to go to the one in your squadron because you don't want people to know that you're going to mental health, yeah. then you're kind of out of options unless right. you go off base, and then you have to miss work because you have an appointment to go somewhere, and then mm-hmm. people get all up in arms because you have a lot of appointments. <laughs> and so, But that's part of that stigma. Opinion, trying to get yeah. my life together, damn it. So yeah. in my opinion, like... I think the influx are a good idea, but I don't think Poorly they should executed. be in the units. Yeah. I think there should be a central location. Like this is a building and there's a, like maybe at family readiness and there's like a three fifteenth implant <laughs> in family readiness. So nobody knows why you're going right. there. They do that in basic training. They have a phone and you might've yeah. seen it. They got a phone in there. That was implemented when I was there. Yeah. One button is the weather and one button is like the suicide hotline or whatever. And yeah. you're like, Oh, I'm not calling to talk to a counselor. I'm checking the weather for tomorrow because yeah. <laughs> it doesn't matter. You're going to be out there running anyway. So, <laughs> yeah. And I think the top the thought process behind putting them in the units is just uh, availability, easy access. Or, yeah, yeah, easy access to right. to someone. Like, Same thing know. with the chaplains. They got a chaplain down on the flight line. Yeah, like, there's but, a chaplain in our building. And 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 all this stuff is relatively new right uh, like within the past couple of years three years maybe and sometimes know. they gotta throw out an idea and, and see if it works yeah and if it's older than that i mean that i just found out about it so so yeah i had an implant embedded the entire time i was at the one sauce but that's afsoc too so they have mm-hmm. like afsoc money to well, do they, those they things have all their, they also have afsoc problems so yes like, they do but the, with the about. same that same token of what i was getting at that's kind of where i got turned off from the implant is she was crazy too. Like I don't, I don't know what her problem was, but she would come to commanders' calls and she's like, "All month last month I had two appointments." And it's like, there's ASOC problems. Like you're deploying three months on, three months off, three months on, three months off, and you had like two or three appointments in a whole month. Like, where are these people seeking help at if they're not coming to you because your office is right beside the commander's office? Yeah. Like nowhere is you have to go the into answer. the command section to talk to right. her. Like, yeah. no, no, thanks. Hard pass. <laughs> so. the, the thing that's crazy about it, at least for me, like if that person, so she, he, whoever that person is, is attached to your unit. And then you see them like talking with everybody else. Right. It's like, wait, right. is she putting my shit out there? <laughs> right. Right. And like, they you tell you know. that they're not, but and you don't know. Yeah. You don't know. And then you have right. that thought, like maybe she is. So, uh, yeah, that's like one negative for me. Like I wouldn't want that person in that area. But I mean, think about it, right? So our kids go to gymnastics on Saturday for like two and a half hours. And our inflect is there every Saturday with her kid. So like, imagine I go to her to work and I like spill my guts and I'm like, 
oh, my husband beats me on the regular and I'm scared to go home. And then I go there and I'm with my husband and she's just looking at me, right? And I'm like, oh, God. Like, I, don't, this is- I don't beat her. Just so- <laughs> <laughs> that was an example, but it's like. And now they know. But, like, thanks. but when you're in these kind of environments, I don't know. I just, it's, it's I'm tough. against it's, it. It's tough to navigate. Uh, I, I mean, it w- it's well-intentioned, but I think there's still some things that need to be fixed with it. Right. Um, so but to transition. Helping with suicides. I I would like to see the numbers on that. Yeah. How many, like, like and that's the thing, like, there's, in every science experiment, there needs to be a control. There is no control for suicides. It's just like, well, last year there were this many, so this year there's not, therefore, life is better. It's like, well, not necessarily, like, some people just got out of the military and maybe killed themselves off base, and therefore, like, don't count as your statistics. So, like, it, there's no, like constant control to measure by it's the same thing with sexual assaults like you can't just judge based on last year if you're doing if what you're doing is positively impacting or if it's just statistically less likely or yeah. just happened less um we talked a little bit about putting stuff on the internet and the newer generation of things when i went i went to a uh, chief panel a few months ago to the goal uh, my goal was to tell the chiefs that give them the business. But you know, what ended up happening was our chief spun it around and made it like asked us questions about, um, like the newer generation of airmen. And we had a situation with this a couple months ago in the dorms, like becoming suicidal for what we would probably all consider stupid reasons. Um, like I didn't win an award or I didn't get nominated for this, or I didn't get a promotion statement on my EPR. Like, um, you know, and, not to say I'm not saying this like, but like you know, in my generation, you know, we had good reasons to kill our, ourselves. No, so like, there are reasons that statistically people will contemplate suicide, like divorce, deaths in the family, those kind of like traumatic life events. Um, and so we're presented with a challenge now that those are not. Re- we don't think they're traumatic life events, but the airmen are like, well. The master sergeant in charge of the MTLs yelled at me, and now I want to kill myself. I was like, but, but and I'm going to tell the why? entire Facebook. And I'm going to put it on Facebook and publish this. Thing. It's like, but, but why? Like, I'm just I'm over here, and unfortunately, like I was agreeing with the chiefs instead of like arguing with them. But they were like, like I'm over here telling them, like, man the fuck up. Like, what's your problem? Like, but how do we deal with that when they're like, that's That's the sensitivity level of like, well, Well, so first I'll say this. So that's probably happened throughout air force history. Only now, uh, you can put it out there to the, for the world to see. And you know, every unit, every company, everybody has a Facebook page where you can talk to. So now that airman's just like, I'm gonna let everybody know exactly how I feel. Uh, as opposed to in the past, you probably, had to have a deep conversation with that person and then right. it would come out like, oh shit, you really feel that way? Like, right. we should go talk to somebody. And we talked about it like I was raised in the Air Force to understand that, you know, if generally speaking, and this is not what generally speaking, if I didn't get a promotion statement, it's probably something I need to improve upon um, with, you know, good feedback and stuff. But if you're not getting that feedback, like, hey, you're not the best in the unit, therefore you didn't get the promotion statement. You're just... A guy, you know, I know I haven't got promoted in a while yet because of the manner in which I talk to people and do things. And I don't go out of my way to uh, become extra friendly with the leadership or win awards or do all that other stuff. So, like, 
I'm fine if like they're like, oh, you don't get the promotion statement. And I actually like the new promotion, the new EPRs better because it's like, this is what this person should look like. I'm like, all right, I ain't doing that. So I'm gonna be like right, <laughs> <laughs> right here in the middle of the road, like promote all the way, like right yeah. here. Uh, but you know, and how do you deal with like an inability to connect with like like I understand what you're going through. I don't understand what you're going through. I don't understand why suicide is on your table when you did, you skipped way over here in the angry and stressed out and depressed part. You went straight to I'm sad because she yelled at me and suicide is my first option. Like, so this is what they teach us in like leadership school, right? You're so you talk to them, you can't connect with them. Well, let me take you to somebody. Somebody who can. can. Here, here, somebody are your resor- here are your resources, right? right? And I, I mean, aside from doing that, what what else what do, you you do you do? And that's but what I I've always been. Sorry. One of my things why I'm against the new EPR system, which I think it's fine. Like EPRs are going to, that's our rating system uh, for the civilians who listen. Um, our rating for the end of the year. It's like our annual so review. Performance report. Um, so it's that based on playing favorites with leadership and you're doing all those things like that. We look at it and we're like, there's no way that I'm going to spend 50 hours making sure that this guy has a fruit tray at his promotion ceremony. Right? Like (laughs) I don't care that much that he has a fruit tray at his promotion ceremony, but by doing that, you're going to get that promotion statement. And what we're doing is we're raising up really young people who are in the same generation as the people who go from, I got yelled at, so I'm going to kill myself. And so when we're trying to get them help, we're like, okay, here, let me go take you to this tech sergeant. And the tech sergeant's like, oh, hell yeah, that makes sense. You got yelled at? Like, I would do the same thing. And it's like, oh, like, can we backpedal to, like, maybe you should have been upset. And then you talk to somebody and you got, ex- like, explained to you why you didn't get the promotion statement. And you take through these steps. But people are promoting so quickly because they are, they're like, oh, all I got to do is be a huge kiss ass and volunteer all the time and never do my job. Cool story. Like, get your CCF. Get your CCF. <laughs> <laughs> That's an associate's degree. Um, so yeah. you, you do Weak those sauce. things and it tells you what to do, right? right? And then you get promoted, but you don't have experience or life experience right. or the ability to talk to people and pretend to care well. Um, and then we find ourselves in those situations where students killed themselves or airmen killed themselves and we're talking about like, what did we do wrong as NCOs? And did you even do something wrong? And that's, I've always been yeah. a take them to somebody else kind of person because I don't have that kind of mental capacity to, to empathize and to like take care of people. Um, but that's still doing your part. Right. Like, and and I don't, crying, I'm I will you're not, not saying fuck <laughs> off. Like, I will get not out of here. like, here's a paper with resources, figure it out and see you later. I will not do that. I will like if it's if it's necessary I can like handhold somebody to the right place but like it's just weird. Uh you know when so I've been to a couple of units where suicides have happened during my time there mm-hmm. the most recent one was my last unit and I I don't know man so this person committed suicide senior airman uh so he had some time in the air force right uh but nobody really knew about it um i found out a few days later after talking to his best friend um i didn't know they were best friends but uh it was a guy that i worked with and our unit was pretty big um but 
So this guy committed suicide. His best friend told me. I was like, oh, crap. I had no idea. I was like, um, like, did you know him? He's like, yeah, he's my best friend. I was like, oh, shit. Uh, I was like, damn, like, what was going on with him? Was he all right? He's like, honestly, everything seemed fine. Like, he was his usual self. There was not really any indicators. We were bullshitting the day before. Um, but anyway, I found out when he told me. And I guess the way leadership handled it didn't sit well with me because they didn't do anything about the suicide. It happened, and that's it. There was no, hey, let's bring every, everybody together who needs help. Um, if anybody needs to see the chaplain or mental health or whatever, because maybe you were close to this person, uh, let's let's the hook time that up. And the resources are available to you. Yeah, like let's set that we'll up. We'll give you time to go. Or and... or the standard like, hey, let's go through uh, suicide awareness training again. Like none of that happened. Uh, they just pretended it didn't happen. Yeah, pretty much. It was kind of like swept under the rug. I um, I have a story similar to that. Um, we have we have an okay amount of time. Yeah, right? just keep going. Okay. Yeah. Plus, you're going to cut like six minutes off because we talked for too long, right? Maybe. Beginning. Um, that is the biggest thing. So, again, do as I say, not as I do. The Air Force teaches you what you are supposed to do in these situations. So all of that, all of those people in your leadership failed to do what the Air Force teaches you to do, which, again, just – Ask, care, escort. <laughs> ask, care, escort, right? <laughs> which, again, just uh, like – exemplifies the bullshit reasons of training people on suicide things like your leadership is supposed to take care of you they're supposed to give you opportunities to at least share your feelings and like hey do you need to go see the chaplain or you know at a minimum they come out at a commander's call or a meeting an emergency meeting and like this is what happened here are some of the details if anybody would like to talk you know here we're going to have these times available you know yeah at colleges you know they give you like time off like you're allowed to miss school like do you need to talk to people that kind of stuff um so my story is how the air force failed my friend um and how like the the chain of command basically didn't do what they're supposed to do so my friend jesse killed himself in October of 2015, like the day after I stopped going to, or the day after I finished instructor school, uh, big, and um, like a month after I got here. So my whole deployment, six months before that, we were talking and, and calling and discussing and whatever. Everything was great. Uh, he was talking about this dog he's going to buy. He he joked on Facebook that him and his girlfriend were pregnant, but he just bought a puppy. Um, that kind of stuff. So like, I didn't see it coming. But what I did know and what his unit did know was a year before that, he had a suicide attempt that he failed at. And that is called a red flag where at that point you're supposed to take everything from then on seriously that you probably weren't taking seriously before that and do something. So because my friend made poor life choices, he and he was um, sleeping with two of his airmen at the same time. And they did not know it until one day they did know it. And they found out and there was a big... Uh, drama and a fight and craziness and he tried to escape from that by attempting suicide and 
Um, he didn't kill himself. My, so there were three of us that were besties and the third person called me while I was TUI to Florida and it was October 2014 and it was like, Hey, uh, his unit called, said he was going to attempt suicide. I need you to call him. He's not answering my phone, the phone when I call. So I call him and I'm driving around circles, just like trying to figure out what's going on. I'm in Florida. He's in Virginia. And uh, he answered the phone. And he's like, hey, what's going on? And he's like, nothing. What's wrong with you? And I'm like, nothing. Just calling to see how you're doing. I'm fine. Like, are you? Like, everything okay? Yeah. He's like, what's going on at work? He's like, oh, well, you know, nothing. I'm just hanging out, probably moving to a new pl-. I'm like, okay, but somebody said you're trying to kill yourself. So I didn't want to be like, hey, they told me to call you because they think you're going to kill yourself. Uh, I just want to, like, talk them down and stuff. The unit came, they took him away, and they took care of him and, like, dusted their hands off, and they're done. Like, he didn't kill himself, Air Force success, right? And they let, and then their answer was to separate them. So they kept one airman on the shift in that office. They put him and the different airmen in separate places, and that was like, okay, we're done. And then he kept having problems, and they kept moving him around instead of solving the problem or tackling the problem or talking to them, uh, they moved him to a different, different office, moved in a different office, moved in a different office, which is, for in effect, just kicking him down the road and making him somebody else's problem. And so because he, at this point, had been in like 12 or so years, he knew that um, he just had to pretend and he people would leave him alone and he'd get whatever he wanted. So what he wanted was a deployment because he's an imagery analyst and they don't get on cool deployments. So he wanted a deployment so he can go somewhere cool. And they were at the DGS, so they didn't deploy out of there anyway. So um, they gave him a deployment to Fort Bragg and do some cool special operations stuff. And then he was there a week before he killed himself. Um, And so when I, like I said, I just got here. So half of the uh of the, basically over the next six months half of the imagery instructors came from langley and were part of this pro this thing that happened there that nobody wanted to talk about including a guy next door at the squadron next door he he was married to my buddy's sister so i actually got called into osi to talk about what happened because they were getting investigated by osi for uh neglectful leadership based i think is what they they called it they were trying to figure out if the leadership was at fault for my friend killing himself. And um, for the record, nobody forced my friend to kill himself. He did that all by himself. But the events leading up to that constituted several failures on the part of my buddy's leadership to stop it from progressing into something worse. And that started with the moment he attempted suicide as a serious attempt and failed at that there should have been closer monitoring of his behavior, his activities, his state of mind. And he definitely shouldn't have been allowed to go on a deployment where he'd be alone, even though he was only a couple hours away, alone in a place that didn't care about him, that was just there to accomplish the mission, in addition to things we already talked about with, like, potential violent situations with, you know, that's your job. Um, So I had, let's see, I think eight over the next year, eight imagery instructors that were in the office, that worked in his office with him, were aware of the whole situation that told me when 
a dozen people tell you the same story, that's what actually happened. And so I had them. I had OSI told me one story. His sister told me one story. One of the airmen that was his girlfriend, that was one of the airmen he was cheating on. She was his girlfriend when I got deployed. And we talked, and she told me the story. My friend, who was the third person over here, he lives in D.C., like, he told me the same story. And it was all... Uh, instead of talking to him and solving his problem or even hospitalizing him with like, this is how bad we are afraid of him harming himself. It was move him somewhere else and make him somebody else's problem. And so um, that is the worst thing you can do to somebody who's suicidal is admit to their face that nobody gives a shit about you. Um, And one of those people that was a leader is a current employee of our, squadron and i refuse to talk to him every time i see him and so um that uh is like the big that was a huge huge downer i just moved here i was excited to be an instructor and it was like boom right in the face um and that set off this whole assignment on a wrong note um and it's just been like man and that's what i'm talking about like when people tell you, they come at you, most of the people they hire to be suicide instructors or counselors or whatever have no idea what the fuck they're talking about. And they're coming here with the script and like, hey, statistically this, and, you know, if you have a friend kill themselves, there's something you could have done about it. And that is not true. Like, at that point, my friend was here. He had already attempted to kill himself. He was already on that ledge. And he, like, he had already made it up his mind that that was a solution to his problems. And once that enters into your brain, it's really hard to get rid of that. And so, like, that's that's what I think about every time. And, you know, it took until last year when Chief Wright said that. I'm like, because mm. uh, he, he said that sometimes there's nothing you could do, but sometimes you could have done something. Sometimes you could have, instead of moving him to a different office, you could have stopped and talked to him about what in the hell is going on with you and how can we make this better? Is it this job? Because he was a retrainee. Like he didn't do that before we were in the Air Force Honor Guard together and he did something else. So is the job what's damaging you? Is it your relationships that's messing with you? Is it something else? What is going on with you? And can we actually fix this? And, and if not, can we send them to a hotel, uh, hospital where they can fix it? Nobody, during that entire time, nobody really gave a shit enough to try and help. We're right. trying to fix a problem, much less help. And I've seen that when I was at Shaw. I had a girl that had a problem abusing pain medicine and alcohol. They let her. They sent her to a hospital for like six months to get her fixed and like take care of that. And they followed through with everything and they were watching and Excuse me. Um, I was helping. I was trying to help her get through that because, like, I, she was my friend. And I was like, okay, well, I mean, what's going on? What's going on? And she I had some PTSD problems. She had some relationship problems. She had some parenting problems. Like, there was a p- bunch of extra drama shit in yeah. there. But, like. Just everything was yeah. hitting there at once. Like, and I mean, at that point, you feel hopeless. Like, nothing's going right. Right. Uh, I didn't I'm know what I was supposed to do this. to help her. Yeah. But I was there. And, you know, her grandparents tell me how much they appreciate it. It was like, I I don't think I'm doing anything. I'm just showing up to say hi, like, make sure she's Sometimes that's okay. all it takes, man. Just I will up. say, though, one thing that I think the Air Force gets wrong, Holly's opinion, um, is 
like what happened with your friend, right? So push them from flight to flight to flight until it becomes a you're getting the troublemaker kid. Right. Like we just want him out of our office. Like he's going to go to your office. And so when and he then shows they get up, him that way, they're like, oh. They show when he shows up. It's not like uh, a forward moving. Like, hey, he's going to get here, and we need to try to figure out like what's going on with this kid right. to make him keep getting pushed around. It's like, how fast can we get him off our plate? Right. And I mean, we have that here. I would say to a certain aspect of where. Um, there are certain flights and teams on flights where we say, if you're a shitty instructor or you're not accomplishing what we want you to accomplish, we're going to send you here to this section of, uh, as someone stated today, the band of misfit cartoons. <laughs> like everybody just go over the there. The island of misfit toys. Yes. <laughs> and I was like, I just don't know at what point do uh, – do we say, okay, moving them around isn't helping. It's just making the situation worse. And again, what it probably also um, stems from is the fact that the leadership people are not either A, not communicating, or B, not willing to communicate that this is one of the reasons we're moving him. Yeah. And if it's just this guy is sleeping with his airman and we're splitting him over here, that's different than this guy is suicidal and he needs some like Structure. intervention. Yeah. Um, and we can't handle that right now. We need somebody else to do that. So that's why we're giving him to you. And that is all it takes to like, hey, we're moving him. So, you know, because he's, you know, I saw that with some recent moves on our flight. Like we're moving him because he's burned out. He's angry. He's, you know, whatever, whatever, whatever. We don't want it to get worse. But the receiving people also need to know that. And they're like, okay, so the goal of this change of scenery so he doesn't get worse like whereas you know for me it was like they refused to move me even though i was getting worse i'm like okay i don't like it here i want to do something different like no you could stay because but even though that move i got plans for you but even though that move was a change of scenery for him right right? like it was received before he even got there everyone was like right we do not want this shit show right so, even, like, before he even got there, it was already a bad connotation. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. It's fucked up. Yeah, and then rumors get spread, and not everybody right. knows what's happening. Right. So, Did you see everybody at the lower level is just like, ah, oh, this guy's a piece of shit. Right. Which makes it worse. Yeah. When your airmen don't listen to you, so, your coworkers hate but it you. Makes so, it worse at that point, should it be a more of an open conversation? Uh, like, should you put people's business out there like that? If... If it is that, if it is bad enough that he had already tried to kill himself, yes, you should at least to the senior, the flight chief level, like this is what's going on with this person. I would say to the supervisory level. It, yeah, and that's like, too, if, like I, if I, I agree was with that. if I was yeah. getting a new person who I already like, I was like, oh man, I don't want this guy. Like I've heard nothing but bad things, and then somebody can't, comes to me and they're like, hey Holly, like this guy's coming over here. He's attempted suicide. Has a lot of shit going on with his life. We really need you to keep an eye. That would change my whole perspective yeah. than just being like, don't fuck it up once you get over here. Like, and I that, need you to get and it that's together. that's if you give a shit. Right. Because yeah. you have plenty of supervisors or managers or whoever that just don't give a shit. They can, they won't do any anything with that information. Because that's kind of what happens when you give your initial feedback, right? You kind of try to figure out what's going on with that airman. Um, maybe you got that background. I was like, hey, they've attempted suicide at one point. 
maybe you don't. But during that initial feedback should be like their time and your time to open up and, you know, tell each other what's up. Right. But but that's hard because you don't know the person. Yeah. Right. But the people <laughs> that are shitty, super right, and just don't give a shit, nothing's going to happen there. Right. And and maybe what your your unit was trying to do was not put that person's business out there, but what you saw and what probably several other people saw was they don't give a shit. Therefore, they're not gonna. They're just gonna be like, "Yep, we're good. Everybody, keep moving. Keep moving forward. We're not gonna talk about That's it." That's what it came across, right? As uh, so, I, maybe yeah, there was, maybe there was talks at higher levels, uh, but don't tell them what happened. But you sh- you gotta at least acknowledge, hey, this is what happened. We're not gonna put his business out there. But if you want to come talk to us, you can come talk to us. Yeah. And that would have been a minimal, like, like, exactly what happened. It's just like, you know, somebody committed suicide. Right. Does anybody else need need help right now? Yeah. It doesn't have to be like, Like, you know, this is what happened. This is why we think he killed himself. Or he left a note. This is what it said. Like, you don't have to go into that. You just have to be like, I acknowledge this thing happened. And we are here if you need us. And we're not going to go out of our way to talk about it any more than that because... Out of respect for the person, whatever. Yeah. But the, the internet does that all the time. We're like, they died, and we're not going to talk about it. It's none of your business. I'm like, okay, well, if they're under 30 and they're famous and they die, it's probably because they killed themselves. But, you know, we're just going to over speculate over here. Yeah. But, I mean, if you're a part of a unit, like, just example, say someone in the 315, like, committed suicide. And then we read about it on like San Angelo Live before mm-hmm. we heard about it from the unit. Mm-hmm. Like, I think that's a leadership fail. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And yeah. and there's been situations where we had commanders calls like, "Hey, this commander's call in an hour for a different squadron having a suicide," and they just wanted us to make sure like the the word was out there and that this is what happened. And so even even not even in our squadron like they've done that before. So. So I'm going to tell a story that is probably going to make some people angry, but I'm going to tell it anyway. <laughs> um, when when I first got here in the 315th, I know you thought I was going to tell the other story. I'm not going to tell it because I'll start crying. But anyways, um, when I first got here to the unit, there was an airman, I want to say from the 312th that committed suicide. Anyways, one of the units on base that committed suicide. Do you know what I'm talking about? And they had a funeral on base. And all the students were allowed to go. So we had to talk to our students about um, that they could go. We would release them from class, cut academic time. We'd make it up, whatever, because we wanted them to be able to pay their respects or whatever. Um, I like to think I'm not that uh, emotional of a person, but there are certain things that, like, really trigger my emotions. And uh, the story that I was just talking about when I, like, shortened it was my best friend committed suicide. I'm not going to get into that story, but it's very personal to me. Uh, that topic. So we were telling our students and I was just simply a supervised teacher. Um, like didn't know these students for more than a day or two. And I heard an airman say, I don't care about this funeral, but I'm going because I don't want to be in the schoolhouse. <laughs> and I fucking lost it. Like went full personal. Like you are a shitty person. You will be sitting here. You will not leave this building until 1630. And then leadership was like holly you can't tell the students that and i'm like no like like that is a shitty fuck that's that a guy. shitty human being like yeah. and i'm not gonna stand for that and they were like oh well like you're putting a bad stigma on it and i'm like no the fact that we're allowing these airmen to say they don't care about this person who couldn't 
like overcome the hurdles they were facing and sought out suicide as an option and were using it as a fucking scapegoat to get out of class, hard pass. You're not getting past me with that one. And I gu- I guarantee you he wasn't the only one that was yes, thinking that but way. Yes, but he not. was the only one dumb enough he, to say it out loud. It, yeah. in front of Holly. It's one thing to think it. It's another thing to say it out loud. Yeah. And, yeah, you keep that shit to yourself. That's just disrespectful. Like, regardless of what you think about it, like, I've had people, like, all of that happened before, and it's like, just don't worry, just don't even, yeah. don't even bother, because you don't know, like, you but, don't know who's going to be triggered by what you're saying. But that's frustrating, that. right? Because, like, what if there was somebody else in the class, the person who was asking, hey, are you going to go to the funeral? Maybe their parents committed suicide or something. You're like, oh, I don't give a shit about that guy. I just or don't maybe somebody was really close. Yeah. yeah. Maybe they were, room- they used to make us room with all the other different squadrons, so. Yeah. Maybe they were friends. Maybe they were yeah. roommates. Just I, it's, yeah, you, you don't I was, know who was connected to that person. Oh, man. I was hot that day. You verbally punched Pissed. him in the face. Just bam, right in the face. Yeah. I mean, I got like the, the big eyes like, oh, shit. Who is this crazy lady <laughs> yelling at me right now? But, yeah, it's it just it's too personal for some people to like even. It's a very sensitive subject. Yeah. And you never know who's been affected by that. And that's why nobody wants to talk about it. Yeah. But that in itself is a failure because they're like, well, we'll, you know, and to be fair, they're probably considering your feelings and stuff, but some things need to be talked about regardless of your feelings. As we're experiencing right now with all this other stuff that's going on, like, yes, your feelings are going to get hurt maybe, but there are some things we need to talk about. So do you think that's the Air Force answer? Just We just need to keep on talking about it? No, and they've never talked about it, and they never kept talking. Even no, in do the, you think or, that should be yeah, the Air Force That answer? should be? Because, like, so, yeah, we mentioned all the things that's wrong, and then we mentioned a couple of good things that, that's going on. But for the most part, like, what's the solution? If if there is one, I, I, th- I don't know if I there think, is one. I think they should keep doing the tactical pauses once a year uh, because the Air Force, like, leads the way and in suicides every year. But, and here's what happens because everything in the Air Force is cyclical, right? So if they put out the tactical pause and you use it to have a cookout where nobody talks about it, then they start sending you people to talk during the tactical pauses, which are normally stupid, and they don't help. And that's where we got to today. They probably started this a long time ago with like, oh, take some time, teach your people about suicide. And nobody was doing it. So they're like, okay, we're going to send a guy to come talk to you about suicide. And those guys are all stupid. But this is what we got. So like we're – we can do the tactical pauses until somebody fucks it up and like just facilitating an opportunity to talk about it. And if you do like we did, which is half, Hey, if you want to just go in the hallway, this is the talk about random shit room. This is the talk about serious shit room. And if you don't want to be in there, we're not going to force you in there. But at some point in your life, you're going to choose the different room based on what you need to talk about. Yeah. I think, they did They did our suicide because of COVID via slides and, like, the read receipt counted. I'm like, yeah, this is the worst. Like, you can't – they've been downgrading, like – sorry. Yeah, I just think <laughs> – I think it has to be a somber topic if we're going to – and this is just my personal opinion again. Um, I think it has to be you don't get the choice. Like, you're going to sit in there and you're going to listen to stories and you're going to be sad – and you're gonna know the emotions that people feel when this is a when this is a thing. And you're gonna keep stupid shit like that to yourself if you don't. And want to, like, yeah, and if it's too personal, like, then you have the option to like walk out of the room. You but know, how do you but, gauge that? Like, you can't. Yeah, but I mean, 
I think if we just keep saying like, this is a sad topic. And so we don't want to talk about it then, or somebody committed suicide in the unit and we're not going to, we're going to pretend like it didn't happen. You get to a point where it's like people are disconnected from it. So if you've never, and I'll, I mean, I'll say, I'll tell like bits and pieces of a story, but so when Cruz and I first got married, we had been married for like a year, two years. I don't know. And one of his friends committed suicide. Um, oh, not even a year. Yeah. So like very new into our relationship. He was very like emotional to it. It was one of his friends. I was very disconnected. I had never met the guy. Maybe like one time in Vegas for a couple hours. But in no way was I emotionally connected to that. Like I felt bad for my husband. He was going through an emotional time. But um, in 2018... Uh, when my best friend committed suicide, uh, very personal. It brought it a whole, it brought it very cyclical, right? So to me, I was attached to it on a different level than some, like me trying to help someone else deal with their emotions. Um, and I just think that, I don't even know if 2018 is the right year. I've very disconnected my emotions from that scene. Um, but I just, if we just keep saying, okay, suicides are real. These are the numbers. Air Force leads the way in suicides. Let's don't talk about it and have a potluck. Um, People stay disconnected from it and they don't get that emotional attachment that's needed to help people get through those situations. It's like the the intel. That's a Holly opinion. It's the thing I teach my students is the most important intel question. Like, why do I care? And that's what they need to do better on. Like, why does the regular dude, Air Force dude, care that the air force has whatever the number is you know a couple hundred people a year commit suicide why so, so the tactical pause like, uh what happens quarterly is that what it is quarterly here it's supposed to happen annually here we haven't done it at all in the past like, yes we, we did, did well, we one. did we did one we, we had a whole one. formation where the airmen got out there and marched around no that, no, that, no, that that's not a that's tactical different pause. Yeah. That's, that was tactical pause yes it was the tra- in the newspaper no right but they merged those into one because the instructors didn't feel like doing anything. See, and that's so, the part where, well, let's that's just... that's where we f- they failed. Yes, you're messing up the intent of right. the tactical pause. Because that was the commander starting in July of last year. This commander started doing a quarterly... Uh, tra- uh, what, what was it? I always call it POA day. Yeah. And uh, profession so, of arms day. I didn't yeah. think that and, was a tactical pause. I thought it was a profession right. of arms. And then we lived in the so, on-base housing and the newspaper said, Wing Commander, tactical pause day, and it had like so all the airmen. Checked, and I was they like, checked the box. They is all they did, and even and it was a lie and because that's the, not the intent of a tactical pause. Got those briefings, but we didn't get anything, and we yeah. didn't do anything except have to help them with do their water thing. stations. <laughs> yeah, and well, going back to, I think tactical pauses, and this is my opinion, should happen more often. Like I would even go out there and say monthly. But again. Okay, go ahead. You finish your story. I'll tell you a different story of why that's not going to Well, yeah, it's not a story. It's just my opinion. Like, I think they should happen monthly. Kind of like, hey, let's get together once a month, whether we're bullshitting. Just building rapport, camaraderie, and that's how you get to know your people more. And then you kind of figure out uh, if something's going on, something's off, or maybe everything's just going great, or it's just a chance to go be with other people. I mean, not during this COVID time, but like just be with other people and, you know, become friends, whatever, get closer. That's a great idea. And we did that. So the wing commander five years ago declared that once a month there would be a training down day. 
and that training down day was the point of that training down day was <laughs> I know for, where this is going. <laughs> for the instructors to not teach people and catch up on all their admin crap. Yeah. The first one, and I made, I made our commander promise me. I'm like, you promised me you're not going to fill this with stupid shit. And I told that to his face. Like, I see this happening twice before everything gets filled and stolen. And surprise, does everybody know where this is going? We did two of them where we had no class. And then the third one, we had four commander's calls in one day. Yeah. One from every level, actually three. So squadron group and and uh, wing, they're like, hey, there's this day nobody's doing anything. Let's throw some shit in there. Yeah. Hey, now we're going to cram this with uh, green dot training. Now we're going to cram this with this other training. Now we're going to do – and, like, you had an opportunity to give us this time because in the military, especially in the Air Force, the most effective way to get people to get less stressed out is to give them more time off. And you undid that. And give them more shit to do on a day they're supposed to have nothing to do except catch up on extra admin yeah. crap. And I feel like in this environment, so the schoolhouse environment, yeah. the training environment, that happens more than anywhere else. Yeah. People see open space. And they maybe take you, it. Yeah. So like we call it white space where it's right. basically an admin day. We're not teaching. We can catch up on everything else. Right. Uh, and people see that on the schedule and they're like, and well – Hey, we I can see fill that with stuff. Therefore, let me go make you do eighteen things. And then, yeah, and then after that, you you don't have a chance to breathe. You you get even more backed up on everything that you had that was already backed up, and you just stressed out. You start smashing stuff. Yeah. The, like, yeah. Uh, so yeah, so people ruin <laughs> people ruin the intentions of specific days. So a tactical pause. Well, let's. I would check. love to do a tactical pause more frequently and force people to confront feelings and things like yeah. that, but. The we did one, and the second one was hijacked by something else. Yes, like that's exactly what I'm talking about. We did one. <laughs> it was yeah. supposed to be quarterly. We did one in the past year, and the second one was hijacked into something else. That and I will say the first us. one, I was I was pretty. Uh, it was still pretty fresh to me. The my friend's suicide, um, and they were like, "Go into the classroom and tell your story." A or tell your students a story about a time where suicide directly impacted you. And I was like, get fucked. Like, I don't want to go tell (laughs) I don't want to go talk to my students about this. And so they were like, well, if you don't want to, you don't have to. We'll have somebody else go in your class. And I was like, okay, bye. Yeah. And then all the instructors were like, that was the effort that was put into it. And then all the instructors were like, we're not going to go in here and tell these students these stories. And so the class leaders led it and it turned into like, can we go play ultimate frisbee? <laughs> I mean, at at the very least, uh, there should be a facilitator. So whether that has to be you or somebody else, that was that was good about when, when we did the tactical pod, the one and only one we've done. Uh, every classroom that I went into that we're talking about the suicide thing, there were facilitators in there, and they they got they got it started, and then they, they were doing have, the facil- facilitation they have thing. Victims advocate for sexual assault stuff. Yeah. Maybe they could have like similar thing for suicide yeah. conversators. Yeah, and it doesn't have to be an instructor to facilitate. Like in that situation, anybody can be a facilitator. And, you know, it doesn't matter if you're an instructor or a student. If you have some kind of story that you want to share, an experience that you want to share when it comes to suicide, that could come from anybody. And we did that. We let the students talk to yeah. if they had some contributions. Yep. And, yeah, I felt like it was a good one. Like it, it served one, its purpose. Yeah, it definitely served its purpose. Um, the second one, they're like, hey, how can we knock this out and this out at the same time? Yeah. Do half-ass of both and then... Have a whole ass. 
Yeah, I don't like it. But I think I definitely think uh, the tactical pause is a good idea. Um, If implemented correctly. Yeah, if implemented correctly. I haven't seen it implemented correctly, so I'm salty. The the mistake that the Air Force made. So the chief and the chief of staff said this, and they're like, we're going to let you guys – figure this out so the wing commander (laughs) the wing commander was like we're gonna let squadron commanders do their thing so the squadron commander said each flight (laughs) will decide how to do their thing ours i think went well your flight chief and flight commander who as i remember correctly he's a reservist and doesn't isn't good at anything um made the wrong decision and did that wrong and they did and again the most important thing about atc is that you need to separate, and this is why I have. Never mind, I'll tell you that story later. This is one of the issues I've had since I've been here. Is you need to separate your instructors and your students are two different groups of people with two different groups of things you need to have. So you need to have one thing with the students, let the MTLs lead that shit, and you have something else with you. And you guys talk about you know with the thirty of you that are closer than you are with the students, like. That's a you thing. You need to separate that. And too yeah. often, especially at the wing commander, command chief level, they group all of us into one bucket because we're all their people. It's like, no, no, no. These people are only here for six months. They don't count as real people. Like, this mm-hmm. policy is for us. We live here. We suck the things. And, like, our <laughs> life sucks. Bad verbiage. That was bad verbiage. Our <laughs> life sucks. So to speak. How about that? Our, yeah, just, we embrace the suck. We endure yeah. the suck. Uh, differently than the students do. And, and just, we get left out. We get left out on everything. <laughs> it's definitely and I'll tell a, you a story about that after we're done with this. A hard subject to broach, but I think, like, with us, we're all comfortable with each other so we can have this, like, like a difficult topic, um, like, calmly, I guess. Yeah. yeah. But if I was sitting here with two people I didn't know, I would not have You're contributed not to this conversation. Right. Right, and so. and and you can't force people to do that either. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the downside. You can't force people to like, hey, go into that classroom and tell them your feelings. <laughs> like yeah. I'm not doing that. But and even, hey, we're all gonna sit here until somebody shares a story. Like that's also bad. I understand how why they do that, but it's also like Yeah. Well that's why you try to plan ahead and right. hey, who's like, hey, willing to share story? We need their to identify yes. people who are like, I'll share it. And you're not going to like it, but I'm going to share it. So it's like two sides of the spectrum, right? Like, one, you're stressed out because your wife spent your money, so you're going to kill yourself. And you are going to go in there and sit there until somebody shares a story. Like, we can't tell these stupid stories, but we also can't mandate people to tell very personal stories that are going to invoke emotion and maybe put you at a different level with your students than in charge as an instructor. Like, she was up there boohooing, crying, snotting, and now she's going to come in here and try to tell me that my fingernail polish is out of rigs. <laughs> like, right? And so I just think, I think they're missing the mark with separating us mm-hmm. from the students. I, I don't know. I, I like integrating with the students when it comes to something like that. Um, it's on how you do it. Yeah, yeah. That, it depends on how you do it, but... Implementation. Um, yeah, because you never know what students have gone through. You have some students that are just like brand new to life, right? But then you have other ones that have, they have quite a bit and of again, life experience. The, the the unfortunate thing about where we're at, we have to have like uh, trigger warnings, which weren't a thing 10 years ago. And now we have to be like, hey, some of this is some real shit that yeah. you're not going to like, but you need to hear it anyway. Um, and so get over yourself with your sensitivity. Luckily, we didn't have to do any of that, so...
It's tough, Nobody man. Nobody needed a, a there, safe space. Yeah, I don't think there's a there's a perfect answer or just one thing that we can do that will eliminate suicides or completely reduce them, or not completely, but like reduce them significantly. And you can't, and that's the thing. That's but, another politically incorrect thing to say, right? Yeah. You can't just, this will end suicides forever. It's not going to happen. Suicides have been a thing for forever. But like the training by slides is right. stupid. Yeah, That's definitely not going to work. Telling people, hey, uh, it's your fault. <laughs> or telling people, hey, good. get over it, you know, suck it up, buttercup, and yeah. get out there and go do your job. Um, that's also not going to – like, that's the thing. that We have more – this doesn't work than we do this works. Like, yeah. none of it, no matter – and again, no matter what you do, suicides are still going to happen. Okay? Yeah. At Shaw, okay, six months ago, like five people, like one a week – were killing themselves. They had nothing to do that. with each other. And you're just like, what the fuck is happening? I don't know. But, you know, it's not, they're all, not all some part of cl- some club or something. People and have like, their theories. It's just Shaw. But. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. But. Yeah. Who knows? It, it could have Maybe been there's nothing anybody could have done. It just happened yeah. to be that they all lived in the same place. But yeah. we don't I mean, look some at of it. it's a chemical thing in the brain, right? We don't look at it like, yeah, it's a different, yeah. We don't look at it like that either. Like, Everything we get is uh, the Air Force has this many people commit suicide instead of like this base, this base, this base, this AFSC, this AFSC. You know, yeah. it's the Air Force has a problem. Is that okay? America has a problem. Yeah. The world, everyone under the age of forty has a problem. Like it's too generalized. Yeah, there the statistically like suicide is like the number one way. It's like suicides and motorcycle accidents are the number one way that like male airmen die in the Air Force. Yeah. But uh, I mean, if they ungeneralized it, degeneralized it, making up words here. Specify. Uh, you could so, focus a little bit more. So if they focused it and they said, okay, so Intel is number two, what is that going to do for you? I don't know. Maybe nothing. they can. It will do nothing for you. But maybe there's like <laughs> something that's like, okay. Uh, well, yeah, I don't, you can't you I, can't change the way that Intel, Intel is done. Intel right. is still very general. If you could break it down to a base, down to units, you can kind of figure out something. But, but what can you do to fix it? That's my. So my thing is, Thinking and you, that's, you, you that's the disagree, million dollar question. You might disagree right. with it, right? But we can say like, okay, we're not allowed to disagree. We can say one and O's <laughs> are the number one Intel right. that commits suicide, right? Okay, can we change the way one and O's do their job? Right. No. Can we change the missions they support? No. no. Can we change the fact that they're going to be in these environments? No. no. So what would generalizing or what would specifying that right. do for us? It would do well, nothing I think, for us. So I think that's part of the problem. I don't know. I'm just guessing here. I'm just uh, That is part of the problem. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Even if you do that, what can you do about it? Even yeah. if you so said, you, say, you know, white male airmen under the age of 30 are statistically likely to kill themselves, then what? Do you tar- yeah. you're like there's nothing you can't just like okay you're Hispanic so you don't have to worry about this you're a woman you don't have to worry about this but you we're going to focus on you guys and help you not kill yourself it's just yeah. a statistic thing it's not like it's not a predictor it's just like we teach our students right just because statistically this is a thing doesn't mean like you can use that to say okay in the next month five white male airmen will kill themselves go okay and we'll watch for that to happen like there's no nothing yeah. we can't do anything and yeah, and that also, 
politically incorrect to say, sometimes there's nothing you can do. Even if you know at Shaw Air Force Base, the maintainer unit has 80% suicide rate, then like, yikes. <laughs> I don't, I don't know, know. Fire the boss. Right. I mean, like, like, okay. Maintainers life suck. They got a lot of sorties. They got, they're and busy, but they have, that's their job. That's like, my argument. Like you can fire the boss. You can fire the chief. You can bring in people who really care and have 10 minute conversations, but the maintainer's job is not going to change. They're going to be stressed gonna be out. It's yeah. going to suck. They're going to be in Las Vegas on a 130 degree flight line, turning wrenches that are so hot. They have to wear special gloves to hold them. Like, that can't be changed because the Air Force has to have those people to be the Air Force. Right. So we could have all – we could go down to the, like, very specific, like, in the 315th, in DOD, this is exactly the suicide statistics, but it does nothing. And what? I think yeah. that's why it's so generalized because we get nothing out of going further. I think at the so, end of the day, really, it's just – uh, taking care of your people, and that's at the lowest level, right? So whatever you can control, don't fill my fucking white space. Like, let me have that white space. That's or also why the training... Don't, don't call me in on on my day off. Yeah. Uh, you know, small things like that, they add up to good stuff, and then calling you in on your day off adds up to bad stuff, right? I mean, sometimes it, right. granted, does have to happen, but, you know, it doesn't always have take to care of your people as much as you can, and... Unfortunately, there's a lot of shitty bosses, supervisors, managers out there that they're not going to give a shit. They're going to do the bare minimum and not give a shit about their people. Um, hopefully, other people are stepping up and that's to fill that space. And that's the minimum the Air Force can do is try to raise better leaders yeah. who can uh, see things and acknowledge facts like sometimes there's nothing you can do. And sometimes there is something you can do like don't pull your instructors in on their day off. <laughs> Don't fill their white space. Don't promise them something and then snatch it away at the last minute. Don't take away uh, their tactical pause. <laughs> don't take away the tactical pause and throw in a cookout nobody wants to go to. Don't make us wear blues in the like, middle of a pandemic where everybody is not at work. Yeah. Chief, if you're you know. listening to this. <laughs> oh, <damn>. So <laughs> I got the email today, too. Yeah. It's this, in July now instead I, of June. What's so going on good. with this pandemic is a whole other podcast. Yeah. Uh, as far when it comes to like work and stuff. Yeah, but yeah. So just I guess to to close it out because we've been talking forever. Like sometimes there's just nothing you can do. Like yeah. you just gotta accept that and stop making people feel guilty. Make it feel like making them feel like it was their fault. Because as you and I think people will probably dislike this, but so eloquently said is um, sometimes you just don't see it coming, and people yeah. know what to do to hide it and. You just have to accept the fact that their mind was made up and they yeah. made the decision on their own as a person and you had nothing to do with that decision. Yeah, In my opinion, no amount of training uh, is going to prepare you for this kind of situation. Uh, I think once it happens, if you care, and that's my thing, like if you care, if you give a shit, uh, you'll do as much as you can to help that person out or you'll give a shit enough to identify something's wrong. Uh, aside from that... I, I don't know. There's not much else to prepare for something like that or reduce numbers, whatever. That's my take on it. Take it or leave it. Yeah. Well, all right. I think that's I, it. Yeah, I, I think I that's said it. I said everything I needed to say. We had good discussion. Yeah. 
I graciously accept my role as third host. Yeah, yeah, you're the third host. Uh, I thought it was going to be old Josh Hobson, but you stepped up. And he, he could, left. Yeah, he, he left. left. Son of a gun. I'm still going to get him back. Um, yeah, so to close it out, you got anything? Uh, thank you for the opportunity. And once again, as a reminder, this is my personal views, yeah. not the views of the United States. Yeah. <laughs> No, I just wanted to talk about this because, one, nobody ever talks about it. Two, they should. Yeah. And three, when they do talk about it, they send the wrong message, which is, it's your fault. And it's it's not. And I just wanted to say that out loud. And I'm glad that Chief Wright said that before. Like, like you can't. You can't blame other people for that. Like this is, and and it it's the same as with any other ad- action that any adult person takes. Like you, as a not as a separate person cannot control what that person does good, bad, or indifferent. And that's the yeah. suckiest part about being an adult is you can't make people do what you want and do the right thing. Probably short, anything short of, uh, physically restraining them. without physically restraining <laughs> them. And like I said, without 24 hour surveillance and straight jackets, which is why they used to have sanitariums uh, sanatoriums and whatever they're called. Crazy houses Sanitarium. where they, pe- where they pe- cook people in, in straight jackets so they can't hurt themselves like that yeah. is an you extreme shutter but island like, situation but <laughs> <laughs> that's short of that like you can't you can't prevent people once yeah. they're at that level without physically restraining them yeah. and unfortunately we don't tend to do that with people especially in the military crazy man uh so we all have our suicide experiences not experiences uh stories um but, yeah. You got anything? I will file this with, if you are listening to this and need to talk to me, you can hit me up. Oh, I will good. listen to you talk. Yeah. And besides that, peace out, Cub Scout. <laughs> yeah, reach out. Um, we'll listen for sure. I'll send if, you to Holly because she's nice yeah, even if he says if, no. If now we got resources. We got, <laughs> we got plenty of resources. If I can't help you, I can send you to somebody who can. All right. So, all of y'all, if, uh, if you're still listening, you're enjoying this podcast, go uh Go to Apple Podcasts. Give us a five-star review. Five stars only. Uh, <laughs> leave a comment, whatever. Uh, you can find us on Spotify as well. Hit us up. Uh, you can also hit me up on my Instagram. Um, it is Instagram.com what, forward slash Cruz <laughs> R Villanueva. I don't do that. Yeah. So uh, you could give me, us, some feedback there too. Um, yeah. And follow me. I want a million followers. <laughs> good luck. Uh, but yeah, that's all. Have a good night. Good night. Uh, we'll see y'all morning, later. If you're listening in the morning. <laughs> yeah. Bye. Good day. Later.